serve a God whom, in our relationship to Him, that He's a God who speaks. And He has spoken His Word. And we have. And thank God for that, right? It is great to see you here, both members and visitors alike. We praise God for your attendance and for those who are online. We thank you for being here tonight. Let's go to God in a word of prayer, please. Oh, great God, we praise your holy and divine name and thank you. Your name is incredible. Thank you for the power of your name, for the power of your love, and for the power of your rich and matchless grace. Please help us, Lord God, to surrender in our hearts to your will and to your way. To keep you first in all things. And as we worship you, we pray you'll bless us that our minds remain focused on your word, your will, and your way as we listen and worship tonight. Thank you for Jesus, your great son, for that amazing sacrifice that has been made in our behalf. These things we pray and thank you and ask in that wonderful name of Jesus Christ. It be that will. Amen. I hope I do not go too quickly tonight, but I want to be able to get through a bit of information for us regarding the inspired word of God. And we have some things, uh, the graduation ceremony, other things after our worship tonight. So I want to uh, allow for time for that. But with all that being said, the Bible is the inerrant word of God. It's authoritative. It is powerful. I want you to think about the flow of the Word of God. When people say, well, you know, how can we know for sure the Bible is from God? I want you to think about the flow over over these thousands of years of 66 books of different peoples, different places, different cultures, traditions, nations, technology, intelligence, persecution, governmental affairs, science, and, and yet there's this Still this consistent flow of all this history that's given to us that's been documented and is documentable and checkable and verifiable. These historical facts that we find in the scriptures. Prophecy is probably, um, probably one of the most vital, um, evidences, internal evidences you'll find when you're saying to someone, we should follow the word of God because it is from the Lord God, the Bible has completely foretold of, of information in full detail hundreds of years, even thousands of years prior to the actual event. Thinking of names of cities, names of kings before they were born. Amazingly, their activities, and they all came true just as the prophet said they would. So the Bible has, if you will, some scientific foreknowledge. Let me just, if I can qualify this by saying the Bible is not a book of science. It has never defined itself as being a book of science, but it, it does have some amazingly uh, powerful and strong scientific evidences that are really important. I want to think about just for a moment some things that we've discovered. Uh, when I say we, humans, have discovered, but the, the, the mentioning of these ideas were, were, were years, hundreds and thousands of years before, before we discovered it or that it's at least been documented. The recesses of the deep. Second Samuel 22. 
It used to be this idea that when you go out into the ocean, from ocean to ocean over all the continents, that basically the ocean's bottom just kind of moved gently, you know, and it became a little deeper and deeper. But we found later that actually that's not necessarily true. So in 1873, a British ship challenger off of the Pacific Ocean found trenches or recesses, if you will, trenches five and a half miles straight down. That, that the ocean's bottom actually doesn't remain flat, but there are actual literal trenches where it's so deep. We call it the abyss today, right? Also off the Pacific Ocean, 1960, they found a recess 35,840 feet deep, almost seven miles straight down. So Second Samuel 22 and verse 16. Listen to what the Bible says about those channels or those recesses. Then the channels of the sea appeared. The foundation of the world were laid bare by the rebuke of the Lord at the blast of the breath of his nostrils. Turn to Jonah. Now here's the question. How, how would they know that before it was supposedly discovered? Unless it came from God. Right? The knowledge from God. Jonah was in the belly of the fish, the belly of the sea monster, excuse me. And in the belly of the sea monster, he starts describing some things. And he says in Jonah 2, in verse 6, he says, I descended to the roots of the mountains. The earth with its bars was around me forever. But thou hast brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. The, the roots of the mountains... Wait, in the belly of the sea monster, the mountains? Yeah, you see, it's almost like, if you will, looking out on our vast land, how there are mountain peaks and, and, and valleys, and we're, that's what the bottom of the ocean is like in so many places, and yet they knew it, and we just discovered it. How did they know if it didn't come from God? Job chapter 38. One of the first books written... Job. The idea of the life of Job, when you study the life of Job through uh, the scriptures, Job mentions some things that Job should not have known about. Well, should I say, it's mentioned in the book of Job, things that should not be known or, or mentioned in any way unless it comes by inspiration. Such as the springs that feed the sea. Off the coast of Australia, New Zealand, Cuba, and other places. If you, with the aid of a ship and these specialized buckets, you can drop them straight down to the salty ocean and find fresh springs of water. How's that possible? Well, it doesn't really matter how it's possible. What matters is how did Job how is this written and recorded in the book of Job? Now, I know it's God who's speaking, but here's God's word and God's revealing to, to us through the book of Job things that no one knew. Just, just now discovering this. Job 38 and verse 16. Have you entered into the springs of the sea or have you walked in the recesses of the deep? The point I'm trying to make tonight is God's word is is so powerful. We're going to Isaiah chapter 40. It's so powerful. It's full of information and it's not apologetic about it. 
You know, God says this is what it is and this is what it will forever, forever be. So, for example, the argument that goes on today, is the earth round or flat? I'm just going to go with the Bible on that one. Job 40, I mean Isaiah, excuse me, chapter 40 and the verses 22. It is he who sits above the vault of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. So the Bible makes it pretty clear that, well, uh, the earth is round. Okay. Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 33 and verse 22. is once was said and stated that you actually could count the stars. So mathematically you could figure out all of that. But But now it's recognized that when I say now, I don't mean necessarily 2021, but I'm saying now in our, in our days and in prior a few hundred years or so. Now it's recognized that, you know what, you can't, you cannot count the stars. <laughs> Galaxies, it's just too much. Jeremiah 33 and verse 22. The Bible says, as the host of heaven cannot be counted, and the sand of the sea cannot be measured, so I will multiply the descendants of David, my servant, and the Levites who minister to me. And maybe that doesn't make a, a you know a big difference in in your mind. Turn to Je- uh, Job twenty six. But but the reality, the thought that how how do you know how do you know you can't count the stars? And as we gain more and more knowledge through technology, you think eventually we'd be able to count the stars. But I'm going to go with the Bible on that. With all the technology that we gain, I think we're still going to have the same difficulty of trying to count the stars. Jeremiah 26 and verse 7. Here's an interesting one. He stretches out the earth, excuse me, he stretches out the north over empty space and hangs the earth on nothing. And we know that. (laughs) Hubble Telescope and other scientific proofs. How how they know that. God is expressing in or giving or information to us that isn't trying to prove God and his existence, but it's things that we can find so that we can trust in God more and more. Look at Job 28. Job 28 in verse 25. What about the air? A long time ago we said, you know, air, the air has no weight, but actually the air does have weight. Job 28 and verse 25. When he imparted weight to the wind and meted out the waters by measure. And I'm grabbing these little bits and pieces out of context, I know. But the understanding of what the verse is saying there is it's information that we can gain as we read through these 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 passages of Scripture. Such as 11, uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 3. And there we find that the creation is made of invisible elements, right? Atoms, and we, we, we get that. Well, well, it says to us in Hebrews 11 and verse 3, By faith we understand the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. 
And that increases your faith because now we have more evidence that, well, well now we know that's true. Through technology, this advancements in science. And thank God for that information. It should strengthen our faith. Not that it takes that to strengthen our faith, but here's another nugget for us in regards to our relationship with God. First Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 41. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for stars differ from star and glory. When you can read about that now in magazines, and they'll tell you that stars differ from one another. Wow, but it's in the Bible. Something else we know. Um, certainly Ecclesiastes chapter 1. We know that the, the that wind, uh, when, it, when it comes upon us, is kind of like in a, it, it flows in a cyclone, in a circle, right? Well, here's what, here's what Solomon told us many, many years ago. Ecclesiastes 1 and verse 6. Speaking of the wind, blowing toward the south and then turning toward the north, the wind continues swirling along, and on its circular courses, the wind returns. It just goes in a circle, right? Back to Job one more time in Job. Job 38. We know also, speaking medically, that uh, the blood is the source of life and health. Know that. You go back to Leviticus 17 and, and, and other passages in Leviticus and you'll find that God's going to talk about that. What about light? Well, it, it moves, right? You know that. It wasn't always known. But in the early days of the book of Job, in Job 38 and verse 19, it was known. Where's the way of the, to, where's the way to the dwelling of light? And darkness, where is its place? That you may take it to its territory and that you may discern the pathways to its home. That light moves. And I want to talk for just a moment about the, the ark, um, in Genesis chapter, chapter six in a moment. So the ark, um, God gave specific instructions. If, if there's one thing we can we can gain from the ark is do things the way God says to do them, because there's a reason for it. Number one, He's God; He knows what's best. But there's a reason to do things the way that God commands. So I will give you one reason. Genesis chapter six. We we know we could say a lot of things that if if He had not done it the way that God said it would it would have sank. Okay, we we got that the tar and pitch and build it in this way and and the, but I want to talk about just for a moment. The size of the ark, it's really big, it's huge, about one and a half football fields long, three stories high, and about a football field wide, if you will. It's a really large, large vessel. The dimensions would be 300 cubits by 50 by 30 tall, so three by five by three. The draft of a boat tells us how far, when the boat is fully loaded, it will sink into the waters. Before we read about that, I want to read Genesis chapter 6 and verse 15. And this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits, its breadth, 
50 cubits and its height 30 cubits. And we kind of know just through knowledge over time that a cubit would be about 18 inches from the elbow to uh, the fingertips. We kind of learned that. The draft of the boat, again, is how far it will sink. So if it's 30 cubits high, we know it will sink 15 cubits, right? So doing things the way God says to do it, listen to what Genesis chapter 7 and verse 19 tells us. And the water prevailed more and more upon the earth, so that all the high mountains everywhere under the heavens were covered. The water prevailed 15 cubits higher, and the mountains were covered. And all the flesh that moved on the earth perished, birds and cattle and beasts, and every swarming thing that swarms upon the earth, and all men. Wait a minute. 15 cubits higher? In other words, what God was showing us is that when Noah did it the way God said to do it, there was no way it was going to run aground. Right? The clearance that the large vessel needed was there. And you know how large this, this, this ark is? It's, it's large enough to where you could put 520 um, railroad boxcars inside of it. And people wonder, how in the world did Noah do that? He brought all the species animals onto the ark. We also know that that dimension, it works. It works. 30 by 5 by 3. World War II, there was this... Um, this naval ship constructed. It had the nickname, the Ugly Duckling, right? And it was made strictly for passing across the sea safely as a large vessel in rough waters to bring aid to troops, food and ammunition, etc. It was extremely seaworthy. And they used the dimension of Noah's Ark because God knows what's best. When you read Leviticus chapters 11 through 14, you'll find that, that Moses gave um, rules, if you will, regarding health and hygiene. He also told them when to quarantine and when not to quarantine, how to identify certain illnesses, leprosy in particular. And he also prohibited them by the direction of God to abstain from certain foods. Pork in particular, right? Because of what? Trichinosis? How do they know all that? If the Bible's not inspired, let's, let's remove God from the equation. And let's just say these men just came together and this, this book is full of information, but it's scientific information or whatever you want to call it. How did they know that if it didn't come from God? And so as you read your Bibles, you need to remember and think about and understand that this is the very inspired word of God. Because the only way that they could have said the things that have been said or have written the things that are written is if it came from God. Genesis 17 and verse 12. When you, when you read this... Um, command from God. Sometimes you wonder, you know, why wouldn't that be kind of wouldn't that be a little torturous when it comes to the baby? 
circumcision. Right? In the verse 12 it says, And every male among you who is eight days old shall be circumcised throughout your generations. A servant who is born in the house or who is bought with money from any foreigner who is not of your descendants. Eight days old. And you know what we say, what I heard. Well, you know, it's a baby, he'll forget. <laughs> that wasn't the reason that God did that. <laughs> they can sit down and let the Lawrence explain this to you in greater detail. But vitamin K, prothumbin, and platelets. Day eight. On day eight. You find that that prothumbum reaches a hundred percent above normal. That's so that the blood will clot. It's a medical genius because God knows us better than we'll ever know ourselves. I want to close in Psalm one hundred and nineteen. The Bible is the inspired word of God. We can trust it and we should obey it. For in it we find salvation. In it we find the greatness of our wonderful and magnificent God. Verse 89, the Bible says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. I pray that something was said just to bless you tonight to strengthen your faith, to encourage you, to remind you of the fact that what God has written, what God has written, what God has given to us is by inspiration. It's something to never be left behind. And the words of God should always be followed and obeyed. Tonight we do still offer the opportunity there are some who would like to surrender to God in the waters of baptism. Tonight's a great night for that. If there are things on your heart, on your mind, that you would like prayers made for in your behalf, tonight is a great night for that. I thank you tonight for your time. God bless you.